Okay, now we're rolling. We got it. <laughs> welcome, right. welcome. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of if we've had the parents of a person that we've been on that's been on here before. I don't think so. You might be the first. This I'm excited. Oh, I wanna, awesome. I want to do an episode with you and Anthony together after this. Did he tell okay. you about this? No, he didn't. No. Okay. The idea is because I want to do like a series of like kids and parents that sold mm -hmm. because I think that's a fascinating like because often we've asked people here like, hey, would you have your kids sell books? And they go, no. I go, oh, yeah, <laughs> sure. Or whatever. But we haven't had actually someone who's like, hey, my kid's old and he's right here or she's right here. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, man. Awesome. Yeah. Welcome to the show. One thing, one thing we talked about, like when we and Anthony were comparing summers, I think I did better than him in both summers. We'll have Ooh. to compare that. That's my yeah. point. Can you imagine that? Like you, you yeah. can't beat your parents. Oh, I, I would like to think I'd be, that's such a driver that I'm such a competitive person. I'd be like, my, my mom's sold. I'm going to kick her ass. <laughs> yeah. Although it's a different time frame, though. You know, that's it's so things have changed in so many different ways. Um, yeah, definitely. I guess we'll talk about that as we go on. But hey, welcome. Thank you so much for being on here. Um, yeah. For people who don't know, let me tell a little bit about who we have on the show here. So uh, today with me is Gina Conroy. And this is exciting. She's Anthony Conroy's mother, who we, Anthony, we had on uh, back early. I mean, I think it was like episode six, way, way early on to, in oh, our wow. lifetime. Yeah. And we're actually going to record with him again tonight. Did you know that? I don't know if he told you. <laughs> no, I didn't. I just saw him for Thanksgiving. So yeah. no, we were supposed me. to record last week, but I got the vid. And so we had to mm -hmm. bump it a week. So anyway, so we'll be recording with him uh, later tonight. And so that's super exciting. Uh, so Gina's or, uh, originally from New York, where she's currently living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, sold for two summers with the education vision in 1990 and 1991 great summers both of those summers were really good summers uh, overall for the company from what i understand uh jenna went to oral roberts university and is currently an author a writing coach and recent founder of tulsa dating adventures and also a life balance coach with uh her favorite score being number three i will persist until i succeed so exciting welcome to the show gina thank you Man. Uh, okay, so before we dive in, a couple of quick announcements for people who are listening. One, uh, make sure you follow us on Patreon. We launched our Patreon. There's some bonuses in there you can get for uh, being a, a, a supporter. Uh, you can also support us for three bucks and you get nothing other than feeling great that you're supporting us. Yay. Um, that being said, it does help. We're trying to get away from ads and stuff. So to, in order to do that, we need to get funding from something else. And so we thought maybe some alumni would like to help out or people who listen who would like to help so feel free to go down uh patreon.com slash ponytails and you'll find us there um and then of course this episode is brought to you by mla energy so thank you julio and alex for uh helping us out this is, it does every penny goes a long way to keep the lights on here and it is so great to be able to continue to do this so anybody who helps us like that is awesome that we always welcome to do that uh julio and alex are killing it in the solar industry and they are currently uh looking for folks who might be going into a different career consider going into solar wonderful company excellent excellent culture go check out the episode with julio if you want more information for that um so anyway shout out to you guys thank you so much um all right gina let's jump into this thing i always like to say what are you up to now tell us about since you left books and kind of like your journey so far maybe 
we can get some of the major highlights. I will probably interrupt you with just, you know, tangential questions of something really okay. interesting, <laughs> but we'll just kind of take it from there. Some people just give us like the highlights since 1991, okay. or some people give us the full detail of the story. I'll leave it up to you how you want to get us to today. Uh, but go, the mic is yours. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's been a long journey. So 1991, I actually, um, I wouldn't recommend this, but I actually got engaged uh, to someone on the book field who was my, what's the person above you? I don't know. Um, anyway, I was, I was, he was sales or FSL or manager something? or something like that. Well, anyway, um, so we were in different headquarters and we were corresponding. We didn't have you know, cell phones back then. So it was all through letters and, and phone calls. And anyway, that's a whole nother story for another day. But um, yes. Story for Bizzler. So uh, yeah, exactly. Story for Bizzler. Uh, I get a whole other episode on that. <laughs> but um, so anyway, uh, fast forward, I guess, um, four kids, 20 years of marriage um, wasn't the healthiest situation uh, for us as um just not the right people. And like I said, story for Bizzler. But during that time, I had four kids. Anthony was my second. And I was raising them as well as um, doing a little writing, uh, studying to be a writer. I've always wanted to have been a writer since I was eight years old. I found my old diary. And oh. in it, I wrote when I was eight years old, it said, I want to be a, a writer, a dancer, and maybe an acrobat too. And now when I teach my students, I tell them, you know, pretty much I've, I'm almost all three. You know, the first nice. one I started when I was eight years old as a writer, I didn't start dancing, you know, doing ballroom and all that until um, I was in my 40s. And then, you know, the acrobat, I don't know, I do some rock climbing. I do some, you know, you know, when you dance, you get your feet in the air. So that's acrobat. So I say, you know, whenever, it, when you're young, some kids know what they want to do and they shouldn't be deterred from their dreams. You know, it really yeah. is important for people to encourage them. So I was teach, uh, I was um, raising four kids. And when my youngest was about two years old, I felt like I was really going to start on my writing career, which um, basically one of the books that really, um, really dove me into actually fiction writing, because before that I went to school for, um, nonfiction, journalism, all that. But then when I, you know, read uh, The Greatest Salesman in the World, mm. I just, that was one of the books along with, um, oh, I can't even think of the other book uh, I read in high school at the moment. But it really, uh, I really fell in love with story. Yeah. yeah. Now you have a copy. Look at that. <laughs> Sick. That is the coolest. Is that from your first summer? Or I believe it is. And I have the whole set, you know, the whole ancient set, yeah. I guess. That's yeah. amazing. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, just, oh, that's okay. I was just, I was just in love with the, with the storytelling, and I really, I don't think I've read it since. So anyway, I started um, pursuing writing, going to writers' conferences, and at the same time, we decided to homeschool. My my oldest needed to be homeschooled. He just, he was a typical boy in a private school. Mm. kind of getting in trouble all the time, not for being a bad kid, but for not like sitting in a seat. Um, he was always in the back row. He would get out, he would help his neighbor. And later on, we realized that he needed glasses. First of all, that's why he was getting out of his seat. Um, he would interrupt the teacher because he was a perfectionist. Um, but he was also gifted and, um, you know, impulsive. 
So we decided to take him out. And at yeah, the same sport. time, I took Anthony out as well. Even though Anthony uh, did great, he was my overachiever. And it was a good thing having him home and homeschooling him because that's when I realized really how brilliant he was. I, mm. I did not know. And he did great. Um, but anyway, I had four kids from two to 10 that I decided to homeschool and I was trying to write as well. Oh and it was God. a crazy time and I, you know, very crazy. But during that time, I also developed some courses. I could not teach my kids writing for some reason. I could teach, you know, every other subject, but I developed courses and then I put them in a private school and I taught my courses there. And then it just snowballed into um, online courses just recently in 2020. And I have a workbook out, mostly writing courses, creative writing, release wow. the novel in you. So that kind of catches you up to 2016. Then, you know, the end of a marriage went through a really hard period the last 10 years. Because, you know, when you're a stay-at-home homeschooling mom, it's not like you have, you know, a, a resume that right. people respect even though sure. we kind of do everything so it was hard to find a job and i just started with eight dollar an hour jobs ten dollar an hour jobs even wow. though i had a i had a, a you know degree um and then i just i remember my last 13 dollar an hour job and these were all part-time as well no one wanted to hire me full-time sure and i i was also um teaching some courses some outside like homeschool courses and um, camps and i just developed a whole bunch of things novel writing courses spy kids courses and then 2020 hit and mm. i remember none of it was online but i had this goal i really wanted to get i i found a journal that i had with all my goals in it you know i'm, I'm sure that was a throwback <laughs> to you know southwestern you know Where coming up with all that? these goals <laughs> <laughs> and so i went in there um let me back up just a few few minutes a uh, few uh, months i should say so it was march it was january 2020 and i was getting burnt out i was teaching at three homeschool co-ops i was dragging my stuff from place to place I was getting paid $25 an hour, but when you calculated all the time I was spending, it was like, what, two bucks an hour? Yeah. I was just burnt out and I was ready for a change. And I was also dealing with losing child support in May because my daughter, my youngest daughter would turn 18. I was like, I'm not going to be able to pay the rent. There's no way looking at what I'm doing. Sure. It's not going to happen. So I was at a point in my spiritual life where, you know, I've at the end of the marriage, I was like, God, I did everything the right way. You know, what happened? So I was kind of in my like little rebellious teenage stage. I kind of still loved God, but I was like, I'm going to do, you know, my own thing. Mm. And then I was coming back around. It's like, okay, God, I got to trust you. You're by the word says that you're going to provide for me. So I was like, all right, let's see it. I'm not going to worry. And so then in March, we had the shutdown. I'm like, oh, great. Now this is going to be even more interesting. I have no money because I was a teacher. Wow. That's when I started getting um, emails from a company that I tried to teach at online in 2018 and 2019. I had a novel writing course. I'll just show it to you real quick. Uh, release the novel in you. Ooh. And um, Ooh, that's cool. Nobody took the course like in 2018 and 2019. And I had two courses listed, paint with your words and uh, release a novel in you. And I'm like, oh, I kept getting these emails. I'm like, I already tried that. It's not going to work. Remember, 
I will persist until I succeed. <laughs> I actually added something to that on the book uh, field. I will persist until I succeed. And I don't know if I made it up. I kind of think I did, but who knows? Um, but And when I succeed, I will overachieve. And only then will I rest because I know I've done my best. So that's what Ooh, I would chant on the book field. That's good. Write so, that down. Just people listening. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. Write that <laughs> down. <laughs> um, and so I just kept getting these emails. And I was actually in a personal development course from Landmark Worldwide. That's just like, a, you know, basically Southwestern on steroids. And I had really grown. Um, emotionally I, I you know i was finally able to manage my emotions and i was in a course that said just take opportunities walk through doors and yes i talk with my hands <laughs> um i'm italian from new york so yeah good um so walking so i just kept getting these emails and i was like all right you know i already have my classes listed what is it going to hurt to set some dates and i set the dates and they filled up with 15 students in two days each I was like, and you get paid per student. I was like, Ooh. well, I don't know how to teach online. Nobody knew how to teach online. But then I just kept um, scheduling classes. And then as I'm teaching these classes and learning all the pitfalls to Zoom, like kids hijacking, you know, uh, the whiteboard or all these things, you, you kind of learn as you go, right? Um, setting those settings, um, dealing with a lot of kids. I just, I had more parents want different um courses and i was teaching different courses live but i didn't know how to put them online so in the beginning i was just teaching release the novel and you a talking head with worksheets but then over so 2020 i was super busy i wasn't bored yeah, i, I wasn't you know sitting on the couch i was building a whole curriculum and i got i learned powerpoint um i created worksheets and it I even um one of my popular classes in I would teach at after school camps, which is called Spy Kids. And Spy Kids is more like a logic, you know, there's too many kids that are, um, don't know how to think for themselves. Mm. And they the critical want, thinking skills are not there. Yeah. yeah. So it was a fun way, but it was very hands on. There was like worksheets and, and codes and manipulative little puzzles. And I had to mm. figure out how, how to get it online. And I did. And for, um, June, July, August, I actually doubled my income just on that one class. I was probably working 20 hours wow. a week, five, five hours a day, four days a week, and I doubled my income. Um, but the next, so I basically got my financial miracle. I no longer worked for anyone else. I worked for myself completely. Um, I reached that goal of teaching kids online all over the world. It just wasn't because I taught kids from china and korea and italy mm. and it was so fun when i was teaching this little spy kid you know from italy he's like teacher teacher what does this mean i don't <laughs> understand because the riddles are um you know when you're he's he's trying to translate the words yeah contextually in riddles. language yeah yeah it's like yeah, if i taught so you if i told you if i translated a riddle from spanish to english <laughs> it wouldn't it would not make sense at all <laughs> yeah and that. so it was it was super fun and then i think what what the kids really loved and what i wanted to make different because nowadays you know you have all um what are they called escape rooms and it's all on the computer but i wanted to keep the integrity of spy kids class because at the end of the eight-day camp i made a, a treasure hunt a riddle uh through the schools that i taught at and so i created wow. that online and i 
it was very mentally, you know, draining for me because I had to make sure that all the clues were able to be left in each person's home. And I learned a few things too, like not everyone has a garage or not everyone has whatever. So I kind of, I've tweaked things and I've tried to keep it just across the board. But yeah, at the end of the eight days of training, they have to go on the treasure hunt um, on a mission on the mission and when they they complete the mission then they earn their spy kid's name and their spy badge that is so so cool. that's basically so, what i'm doing okay so i have so many questions because this is I so know, awesome. i'm sorry no no it's great I, I this is a pretty typical start to an episode and i love it just people tell me all, everything that's happening i'm like oh my gosh can i just yeah. dig into this okay yeah. so i guess question number one let's go back with the i want i want to get to the school and teaching stuff because that's super uh-huh. interesting especially with the pandemic and how things changed so but let's back up so first create writing so you write fiction uh and and you've published uh some books obviously where first of all where can i find these how can i go get some books yeah um currently they're on um i got the rights back to them which is great cuz now yeah, i that's own huge. them yeah and i just i had this um I'll just show you. This is this is an interesting story too. This is um, they're all on Amazon. Let's just say, or my you can find them through my website. I want to build out my own platform, my own place. But what was interesting about this story, real quick, is that it doesn't have you know a spine. And the reason was it was really supposed to be twenty thousand words, and it ended up being sixty-seven thousand words. And I was part of a group. But that was that was I wrote that in twenty eighteen and. That was my proof to myself, like during my marriage and my kids, you know, raising them and homeschooling, I had a problem with completing books. So I have about a dozen half finished novels, but I have three published. Nice. So um, with tw- that one in 2018, it was like I needed accountability. So I joined the 12 Mysteries of Christmas, which was six to 12 people had to write these stories. And I knew that if I was accountable to someone else, I was going to do it. Hmm. So I basically put it off for six months. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, no, I have to write this book in six months. And my first novel, Digging Up Death, which has an archaeology theme because I was homeschooling my kids. That's where a lot of my books come from. It was I was just like, and Anthony will tell you, ask him about that. I stayed in archaeology, Egyptian archaeology for like six months. It was just so fascinating. And then I created the story. But it took me seven years to write that book. But Golden Bells Are Ringing took me six months. Now, I didn't have a life, but I did it. And the interesting thing about the story is like, I was like, is this story ever going to end? I was just writing and writing it. And then when I counted it, like I said, it was only supposed to be 20,000 words. It ended up being 67,000 words. So it was a complete novel. And I finally got the the i don't have the book yet but i finally got the spine i had to you know match the because i didn't make the cover i had to match it it you know something that pretty much took me 20 minutes i put off for five years that's why isn't isn't that what we do you know a lot of times we just it's all <laughs> mental we just put things off and where it would it's been hanging over my head for five years and it took me took me because i'm going to start a book club with the book so there was the motivation to get it done that's beautiful. So. so, so, so you write fiction, and um, do you do you read a lot of fiction too, or like where do you draw inspiration from? You, you mentioned a little bit of Ogmandino, but like, is there is there? Yeah. Any, you, said, you mentioned your kids well, well from like your experiences, question. but are there authors and stuff that you like? So I started out in nonfiction with magazine writing, and then I I went to fiction. 
I don't read a lot of fiction anymore. Um, I used to, but now it's more like self-help books. I go through phases. Yeah. I did pick up one of, I have a lot of friends who write too. And so uh, some of them are not my style. Um, I do love, I, I mostly read in the, in the Christian market, unless there's a really good book, like, uh, you know, that someone recommends, then I will, I'll sit down and read it. I, I really should read more and I'm working on better nighttime habits, you know, turning off that yeah. TV so I can get up and write. That's what I want to do. So yeah, I did pick up a novel that one of my friends wrote. Um, so uh, I would say one of my favorite authors, I don't think she writes that much anymore because here's the thing, a lot, I think a lot of the best and most brilliant authors, they don't make the money. It, yeah. They don't churn out the books. It's the ones, especially, you know, people love rom romances. I'm not really big into romances, but you know, you have your genres that people just want the next book and the next book and the next book. And if you can't crank out a book in two to three months and build a following, then you're not going to make the money. So yeah. Lisa Sampson, her books are brilliant and I love them. Um, she's the one that, you know, you have your, your favorite books on yourself, on your shelf that you just want to, don't want to get rid of. She's one of them. Uh, um, the passion of Mary Margaret was brilliant. It's about a nun who, you know, wants to say, and it's been a while since I read it, but it's, it's almost written in a diary form. And Jesus asks her to do something that she would never do to love her, you know, to love people. And wow. it's just a really, really interesting story. So. That's awesome. I just, I just think I find it fascinating. I, I, as an author, I only just published one book, but, but it's always fascinated to me, um, like where people get their inspiration from. So anytime I have anybody mm -hmm. who's published anything, I just, you know, like where did that come from? Because that it takes guts to do that. And I know it's, it's a little bit self-aggrandized. Is that how you say? It? Like I'm talking about myself a little bit because I'm including. Yeah. It. But even ex like I thought this before. I wrote a book, which was when people. Yeah, I want to know what you like wrote. when people when I'm people like that. have. Oh, okay. So, so my book, my book's uh, it's just a story of my family moving from Colombia to the United States, okay. and I document in nonfiction. Is it more like a memoir it's, or it's, it's like a memoir, but it's it's not. Oh, it, it, I say it's fiction technically because not everything is exactly true. Uh, it's some okay. of the things I needed to rearrange order wise or mix two events into one to make it more mm -hmm. seamless for the literary art aspect of it from a storytelling standpoint but generally right. speaking 95 percent of it all is to a t um so you can't say it's non-fiction if there's even any little bit of embellish embellishments or whatever yeah whatever. you might not want uh, to if you like talk about people too so yeah that's that's actually the main reason uh I, i've mm -hmm. never actually said that out loud but the biggest one of the biggest reasons we had to change stuff is because some people did not want to be in the story publicly and so we're yeah like, right, yeah we're gonna change mm -hmm. that didn't happen to that person exactly anyway yeah. but i i to me okay so when you when you post nowadays on like facebook mm -hmm. right or social media it you you write two paragraphs and i'm talking about the general not you gina but people in general people will post like right. something about their favorite football team or politics or some dumb shit and so they'll say that yeah. and even when you publish those two paragraphs you're still like saying hey this is what i believe in and you feel really passionate about that but there's no risk to that you can delete it you can edit it you know, you can take it, like, pretend like it didn't exist. Some people still maybe find it, but generally speaking, it's not out there, out there. Whereas mm -hmm. when you write a book, it's not two paragraphs. You have, you're digging 
deep into something inside of you to get all because 67,000 words uh is yeah. not not nothing you know what i'm saying it's i mean right, you're not right. writing like 350,000 words like lord of the rings but nobody's asking you to like that's still you to be able to pro, to come up with that and put that out there it's got to mean something to you because you spent hours doing i know i know what you did i know what it took because mm-hmm. i did that and so yeah to it's, I just want to commend you for being brave and doing that because people don't realize what it really takes to produce that. It takes so yeah. much work. It takes so much dedication, even to get to the part where you were 90% there, right? And then to just even get that 5% might not seem like a lot and it might in time not take that much to finish it out. But the guts it takes to say, hey, this is something I care about and this is coming from me. and it's exposing it's vulnerable it's it's hard so kudos yeah. to you that's hard yeah. that's hard to do well yeah like every novel that um you know most people if you're an author you're probably making up characters yes you're probably um pouring yourself into the protagonist taking your experiences your emotions and putting your characters in situations and there's a lot of you know i wouldn't say you know minor mysteries so there's people showing up dead and, you know, um, protagonists sometimes breaking the law, which readers don't like. Readers don't like certain things. So, um, but anyway, she had a good reason to do that because um, she was protecting people she loved. That's so, right. you know, <laughs> but, you know, I think in digging up death, there's a teenage boy and I actually had a teenage boy that was very difficult. It wasn't Anthony at the time, <laughs> although, although Anthony had his own things and, um, and, and we, so, all, we all did. Yeah. And in Cherry Blossom Capers, it's actually takes place in Washington, D.C. It's uh, I have one story, it's four stories in one. And um, <laughs> my props again. Why not? Right. Yeah. So I don't think you can even I don't even think you can buy this anymore. But what I'm going to do is I have a short story in there. I'm going to repackage it and just sell it. That was a mystery. I It was a 50,000 word mystery and I had to cut it down to 20,000 words. Now, just let that sink That's in. Hard. Yeah, I saw I saw you. Yeah. So I learned, well, I came up with a talk on how to cut the fat out of your whip, your work in pro- progress. And but also I had to cut characters. I had to cut scenes. I had to cut everything. So I'm thinking about, do I want to publish the original? That would be a lot mm-hmm. of work because I'd have to clean it up. But so you're talking about where story ideas come from. Um, digging up death. Did I show you that one yet? Sorry. Yeah, it's, like, it's so um, cool. I'm, I'm look, I, I love at the cover. Here, Did you? I'm share so the premise with that talking. one was um, we were studying ancient Egypt, and I was fascinated with the queen who named herself Pharaoh, Hatshepsut. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. She mm. took the throne as a pharaoh, and her son, brother, you know how they had all that inter- relational i don't even know who he was he was supposed to be the pharaoh but he was too young and he ended up trying to erase her from history so her name's etched out on all these uh, you know artifacts and at one point they were looking for her that you can't even find her money it's gone she's not in the valley of the kings and she's not in the valley of the queens and so i came up with this press 
you know, oh, and I think they did say that they found her body in a museum, in the Cairo Museum. But I said, was it her body? <laughs> That's hey, where the and there's from. a story comes from. There you and go. there's a story all around that. And then this one, um, Very Deception, awesome. like I said, uh, you might be able to get an old copy. Um, Very Deception uh, takes place in Mount Vernon in Virginia when... My kids were like two, uh, four, eight, and 10. I was homeschooling. So we took this amazing East Coast trip because, you know, what's better than making history come alive? So yeah, we went up the East Coast and we went to Jamestown and Yorktown. And I have really cute pictures of Anthony <laughs> and all the costumes and everything. <laughs> um, when we got to Mount Vernon, we're walking through the mansion, uh, George Washington's mansion, for those who don't know. Um, and I was looking at all the artifacts and we came into the office, George Washington's office. And I was like, I wonder which are real artifacts and which are fake. And then the premise came to me, what if? It always comes in a what if. What if one of the artifacts they think is real is actually a fake? And that yeah. like was a whole smuggling ring kind of thing. And then That's the last awesome. one, <laughs> golden bells are ringing. So I create these mysteries. I, I want them to be simple, but they don't end up being simple. They end up being like two mysteries in one. <laughs> so I, the, the premise with Golden Bells Are Ringing, all the writers had to have the name, a Christmassy name in the title. Um, and it needs to be set in the Colorado mountains. Now, I love research. I would probably be a historical writer. And a lot of my, that's another thing I forgot, that a lot of my mysteries come with history. If you notice, uh, so like, my mysteries like, have like a little bit of history. historical fiction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, but set in present day time. So there's That's a backstory and a back mystery. So um, with Golden Bells Are Ringing, um, we had to, you know, set something in the Colorado Mountains. I'm like, what's so mysterious about the Colorado Mountains? I was doing some research and I came across the Beale, B-E-A-L-E, cipher. Now, from the gold rush in 1859. Now, I heard of the 1849 California gold rush, but I didn't know there was one in Colorado. Mm. So I started doing some digging and I found out that this guy, Beale, had three ciphers. One was like what the gold was, where it was, and there was another cipher. But it's out there and it's never been, I think one of the ciphers have been deciphered, but he he disappeared and nobody knows where the gold is. So that was my premise. So what you tell me there's actually treasure, there's a Beale treasure chest somewhere out there? Yeah. And you stumbled no upon can, this? Yeah. No one can decipher one of the codes. And it was dropped off with a man in, on the East Coast. I don't know the, the entire story. And Beale was supposed to come back and pick it up, and he never did. So then so, you saw that, and you're like, I'm going to write a mystery about that. What if? What if we found the gold, the missing gold of 1859? But we also have a modern twist. So there's a lot of... Um, That's so cool. There's a little bit of romance. Uh, it doesn't always end up nicely. Like if you're really a romance uh, writer, romance readers want to have a happily ever after. I Mine are sometimes like that, depending upon the um, publishing house. But if it's, mine are a little messier, like my own real yeah. life, you know? It doesn't yeah. always end. Because life isn't, life isn't happily ever after. Life's just life. Yeah. So okay, hold on. Exactly. So that's the next question. So you, you, had, you went through a publisher. Because I just self-published, and so then now you're mm -hmm. you said you got those rights back, which is huge. That's one of the biggest drivers yes. for nowadays. Now self-publishing is mm -hmm. becoming so much more popular because of right. the internet and social media that you can actually have a pretty successful self-published career, and like right. 
you know, obviously, but you, people don't know that, that you actually have to give up your rights to go through a publishing house, generally speaking. Yeah. And usually, um, sometimes they just give you the books back. Like I did for digging up death. I think I did buy the cover because, um, they made the cover. So I figured I can, you know, uh, sometimes they just give it to you. Sometimes you have to buy it back. Um, mm. but yeah. And like I said before, for me, I have not been promoting my fiction because I've been trying to build my life and there's, you know, unless you are a prolific writer, you're not going to make money. Mm. So now I'm just starting to pick up novels. I started again in 2016. And now this one is for a new generation. So I'm writing something called Angel Wars that I started in 2016 with a writing partner. And he was it was really a way to keep me writing through my divorce. Mm. I never even met him in real person, but we started writing this story together. And it was more like a serial novel where I wrote one chapter, he wrote another. And it was about two Oklahoma kids who suddenly find out they're about on their 12th birthday. They start to have all these weird things happening, like these powers. And they don't know what's happening. And um, she has dreams and hears voices. And he has this, like, powers that are happening. And so the premise is basically um, uh, if you were, if you found out you were a descendant of a fallen angel. Mm. so basic and and basically oh, the theme cool. is choice you know so it's based biblically based and and when i when i delve into bi biblically based things it's like i get worried i'm like am i portraying it the right way but it's fiction and it's based on the nephilim in in the bible where the fallen angels from heaven you know had babies with the humans and so there's a lot of diluted blood in these fallen angels right and one sect has to kill the other sect that's part of the bible and um so the the whole thing is choice like just because i'm a fallen evil i mean a fallen angel and i'm supposed to be evil like my bloodline does that mean mm. that i have to be evil and isn't that how we you know a lot of humans deal with that just because my dad was a crack addict not my dad wasn't but you know i yeah. uh, went to jail yeah. <laughs> you know does that mean that i have you know i'm i'm the same no that's interesting now 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 oh man this co-authoring co is fascinating as well but with the writing courses so so you're let, let me get let me ask you about that because i also had questions mm -hmm. about this and then i also yeah. have questions about your the, the you just launched your dating oh um, yeah Tulsa and i've got more adventures. stuff we haven't even talked about yeah i know that's <laughs> this is see i tell you just it just goes so fast okay mm -hmm. when it comes to your writing classes is your primary student age like are you teaching kids writing or is it for adults is it for like who, who are your yeah students? interesting you should ask so i was my primary age the people that seek me out are eight to twelve but I teach anywhere from five years old to 105 years old. So I developed a program for the little ones because parents are like, I have a younger student, you know, I developed um, strong sentences and the spectacular parts of speech. So there's a group of ser uh, superheroes and one, uh, one superhero, Simon subject, he has the power of the noun, the adjective and the pronoun. And I teach people, uh, I teach kids and, you know, eight to 12 year olds, even adults don't know some of this stuff. Um, how to uh, write actively instead of passively. You know, when you write a novel, you really want to bring it to life. And and there is a technique that most people don't know. Um, and then I just launched, I did a soft launch um, of on a book coaching program. So right now I have one-on-one -on -one students primarily, but I'm working with my uh, business coach to 
bring in more of a membership course where I can mm -hmm. coach fiction writers, um, mostly adults, because I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one with kids. I, I help this 10-year-old write and finish her novel, and that was pretty exciting. I love to do that. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things to do. But most people want nonfiction. They want essay writing. So I have a course for that, too. That's not my first love. But there are definitely um, descriptive writing uh, principles that nonfiction writers need to know, because everything's about story. The greatest salesman in the world that mm -hmm. is story and how did he do how did he get those principles out through story because story really engages people it draws people in but if you don't know how to write a story that actually hooks you know your reader it's just like reading a dry boring newspaper we just read the newspaper or is that does it exist anymore i don't know yeah. we we read blogs for information but when you get a story inside of you that's where the message really sticks and that's yeah. what i love about fiction yeah so that's so interesting. Um, wow, I have so many things to say about that. That was so cool. First of all, yes, the, the, our entire because sometimes I was reading a book called "Until the End of Time" by Brian Greene, and it's, he's an astrophysicist, so he's uh, he's a physicist. But I'm a big on that. But uh, he talks about like the human race and why we started writing. You know, which is really interesting take to hear from a guy who's like a math guy rather than like a writing mm -hmm. guy. But he's a brilliant writer, and he he talks about goes. Writing might have been the most important part. Really, storytelling is the most important mm -hmm. part of our of our history. It's what separates us from the monkeys, really, because yeah. the opposable thumbs, you know, they have they can use tools and they're intelligent as well. But what changed was our ability to communicate, and we started communicating by telling stories. There was no mm -hmm. there's no real uh, um, need for us to talk like we were surviving just fine as, as a species, right? Like just like a gorilla is, right? They don't need to talk. They can go eat, they reproduce, and then they die later on, right? So there's no evolutionary need for you to like learn to communicate. But for some reason we did. And the biggest reason was because we started telling stories about, you know, ancient times, about the sky, about whatever. And slowly but surely those stories got passed down and then we figured out that we could write them to continue their integrity and so on and so forth. So anyway, all that to say, telling stories is the most human, one of the most human things you can do is, is, is write a story, tell a story and, and share it with others. I feel like that's, that's really yeah. what makes us like, that's a human, one, one of the biggest parts of the human essence. Right. So I think that's really cool that you do that. And stories are everywhere. You know, you, you, you were talking about the Ogmandino. Did you know that he wrote those squirrels overnight? He had the story around it, and then one day he's just like, screw it. And he just like went, locked himself in a room for 24 hours, and he whipped those out. They yeah, amazing. Minimally, minimally yeah. edited afterwards. It was crazy. Yeah, so, when it comes from your heart, you know. Inspired writing. Forward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, so all that to say, I, I think it's wonderful that you're helping people tell stories. Uh, that's, that's what this podcast is about in a lot of ways. Yeah, hey, what's, really. What's your story? You know, like we mm -hmm. did this, this, the only thing we have in common is we did this thing in college. And other than that, what yeah. happened to you because of that? What happened to you since that? How did, how did, yeah. I mean, in uh, so many ways it's intertwined and that story is fascinating regardless of who's on the other side of the screen for me. Um, I think so. Th I, I think yeah. it's just really cool. I just wanted to say that that's, that's awesome that, that you do that and that you're doing it for kids, that kids, kids who, like you said, could have really, really amazing talent and really, really great creativity. And instead of like stifling that by saying, you know, go throw a football, you could be like, hey, yeah, you know, this is a good outlet you know, for you. Do it. You know? 
Yeah. And I love the parents who invest in their kids because, yeah, they invest in their kids' sports and, and all these other things. But around Christmas time is when my release the novel workbook. Basically, it's a do-it-yourself workbook. Mm. So you can take classes with me. But I know not a lot of people can do that. So I put all my, my entire class into a do-it-yourself form. So it sells really well because all the parents are like, what can I get my kid? or grandkid that loves to write, I can help them. They're thinking this. And so they find my book. Yeah. yeah. So that's awesome. And we've seen that, right? We've seen that from selling books. That was one of those things that were like when we were selling books that I didn't expect to learn, but I did mm-hmm. anyway. I was expecting to learn communication skills and all this stuff. But when I get there and you see these parents invest in their kids, right? You see, you see, you witness parents make a decision to, to invest in their kids' education and their, and their, ability to move forward and improve that's really cool and you see that every day so that's that's pretty yeah. exciting that's awesome yeah um how did you decide to like i mean because the pandemic what is was and you said you, you kind of failed your way forward right um mm-hmm. it, same thing with us we started during the pandemic but like what did you w- at what point did you go okay this is no longer failing my way forward i know what i'm doing now like i i i i got it I, I got it. I got it down. I think. What, what, what I don't think. I don't think. I don't think I'm there yet. Oh, really? <laughs> no. That's amazing. I mean, I don't think I'm there yet either. But then people tell me, "Oh, you're, you know, the podcast looks so professional or sounds so good." I'm like, I don't know. We just we're just doing the things we think make sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, so the 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 rest of the story, as they say, you know, 2020 was great, but and and like I said, I doubled my income just in the summer. But guess what happened the next summer? Nobody wanted to sit behind the computer screen. So I was teaching Spy Kids class five days a week. No, um, no, four days a week, five hours a day, whatever. The whole, you know, three months. So that's a lot of classes. I can't even calculate. Um, And then the next summer, I think I taught one course, one Spy Kids course. And so everything shifted. So So what worked in 2020 didn't work for 20. 21, I got more private students, less group classes. And actually, um, 2022 and 23 has been on the decline as far as um, group classes. So I just got tired of scheduling classes and having them cancel. So I just focused on one-on-one private tutoring. And I guess I could put my energy into trying to build that up again. Um, There's just so many things I'm doing actually in October I just kind of crashed emotionally. I was just burnt out with everything. And I'm like, I don't even, I was working with my business coach and we were, let's, let's teach adults, nonfiction writers, how to write books. And I'm just like, he's like, I'm like, I don't want to do anything anymore. I was at that point where I was so burnt out. It's like, I don't want to do anything anymore. So I rested, I recovered and I just, you know, I've been trying to spend October, November, trying to get back to what really brings me joy and what I really want to do, because I know it was just an energy thing. And um, now I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm focused on, on the books again. You know, I have all my little side things that I think all works together. You know, the, I, yeah. I, I was trying to talk to my um, uh, coach and I was like, well, wh- what can really encompass everything I do? And it's called, you know, life balance coach. That kind of kind of covers it all. So, um, yeah. So now you're now you're doing that like so you're tr- transitioning into that now. Well, that's kind of in the future. Everything I'm doing is going to be leading towards that. So right now I it's see. fiction writing, 
Um, I really want to work on my own books. I really want to help other people work on their books. If you go on my social media. So in 2020, I also was tired of being physically, well, physically tired of being tired, um, not taking care of my body. And so I um, reached out to a lady who was a health coach that I had done an interview with and she lost 82 pounds. And I had a little extra money in my pocket and I couldn't lose weight myself. I had gained, you know, uh, pre-pandemic, um, maybe just 12 pounds, but when you're short, 12 pounds is a lot. Mm. And so I was tired and um, exhausted and I went on the program and I lost 25 pounds in four months Wow! and I felt the best that I ever did. I had so much energy and then people just, I'm, I'm on social media a lot. So I post and I try to post encouraging things. Um, just, and so that's what I do now on the side too. You know, I have some health clients. I don't have a ton, wow. um, but I'm back on my own. You know, I kind of took the, a little break on working out, but today I got up early and I'm back on a schedule. I hired my own personal trainer because I know what to do, but I don't push myself hard enough to get the results I wow. want. So my goal is to get back to where I was. I gained, you know, we all gain here and there if we're not paying attention. Taco Tuesday, <laughs> oh, yeah. my birthday, Thanksgiving. It just adds up. You know, vacation. Yeah. So maybe I got five to seven pounds that I want to get off before Christmas. So that's my goal. That's It's so interesting that uh, it, it, the theme, I always like to pull up a theme of what's happening, but it, you, mm-hmm. you, you operate so well with accountability. That's really awesome. Like when you find somebody to help you stay accountable, you're, you, it's like, that's like your superpower in, in a lot of ways. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, that's, that's, yeah. like, I, a lot of people need that. A lot of people, yes, I think are, are but they're not as self-aware like you are where it's like, Hey, if I get an accountability coach, I can do this, you know, and yeah. it's a business coach and you get, you get a health coach, but that's, it's, that's step one of, of acknowledging that in yourself is so hard because most people think, Oh, I know what to do. I don't need to do this. Yeah, no, but they don't do, do it because yeah. they get in their head. Yeah, and like just with the writing, I interviewed about 12 people, 12 of my friends that had compelling reasons for why they wanted to write their novel. But do you think anybody is? No, no it, it's like don't. that one person, you definitely if you need a writing group, a writing coach to keep yourself accountable. Um, so there's a lot of people that can do it on their own and, you know, God bless them. <laughs> I'm not one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's great. And I encourage those people too. everything, you know, everything I put out there, there's so many people that message me. They, they don't take coaching from me, but they say you, what you put out on social media has been very encouraging and they've done their own journey, which is awesome. Cause yeah. that's what it's all about. Just encouraging other people. But the key there is like, you're self-aware, like knowing yourself mm-hmm. enough to be like, Hey, I, I, I want an accountability coach for this and I'm going to get one and it's going to work. Like that's, that's yeah. huge. Some people don't even have that. So, okay. So what is, what is Tulsa dating adventures then? Okay. So, um, I just got, you know, I've been divorced for seven years. Things started to go, Mm. they were never good, but things started to like decline about 10 years ago. And, you know, I was just fed up with, there are so many people that, um, they're not doing the work to heal themselves, to become a better person, um i've done a lot of work um i you know there's always something that comes up that triggers or oh wow i didn't know that was a thing and then you have Mm -hmm. to like go and look at but there's so many people that don't and so i was on the dating apps because you know i'm working at home i'm not really out and about meeting people and it's hard at my age too um people are divorced two and three times and i was just tired of like 
it seemed like a waste of time just not meeting the quality people or the flaky people or anyway. And so I had this idea, it wasn't Tulsa Dating Adventures, it was something else to kind of bypass the initial stages of what's your favorite color? What do you like to drink? And all that and and have actually people show up. So I have a, a therapist friend and I was like, wouldn't it be great if we can find like real quality people? Um, I'm, I'm not sure we're there yet, but you know, because it's a different model that we went along with, but she's also was really, um, she jumped on board with, and I share a lot of things. Um, I'm looking for people to partner with because I don't want to do it all myself. Hmm. And and usually people are not as excited about doing you know, actually producing things, but I share a lot. And she was like, well, why don't we do an event thing? Because she's really big on um, community service and galas and fundraising and all that thing, all those things. So she's like, why don't we create an event? And so I just jumped in and it was, that's part of the reason I think I got burnt out in October because in September, I just was creating this um Facebook page, Tulsa Dating Adventures. You can go check it out there. Um, we haven't built out a website because we wanted to, to do more of an experiment. Is this something yeah. I want to put my time into? Are people going to show up? So this is pretty fun. We had all these really fun ideas and we wanted to do something different, not just your speed dating because who wants to spend $25 to sit and talk to someone for three minutes or six minutes? Right. It's like, that wasn't appealing to me. And who's going to show up? I don't know who you are. So. Um, I kind of meshed my love for mysteries and riddle making for our debut event. And it was called the amazing riddle race because I like activities. So what I did was create riddles all over downtown where you'd have to find, you know, food and drink and um, activities. And then I put people into teams and everybody loved it. It was kind of crazy on Whoa. the back end. Like, they had a great time and they're like, when's the next one? Um, what did we do for the second one? The second one we partnered with, I don't know if you've heard of the Mrs. Roper run. There's people all, do you even know no. who Mrs. Roper is? Oh no. my goodness. <laughs> Three's Company. Yeah, you're too young. Um, Three's or too Company foreign. was it? <laughs> I mean, they're too young or too foreign. That's the, that's always my litmus test. But anyway, sorry. Three's so Three's Company was a 70s sitcom. Um, and there was this lady with the red hair and, she was just, she became an iconic character. She She's popping up. You So you'll see all these people and she wears this like muumuu. It's called a caftan. It's very different than a muumuu. Um, but you'll see her with the red hair and the, the muumuu caftans. There'll be groups of people all over town doing activities. So we actually partnered um, to raise funds for uh, Eden Village, which was is building, um, what are they? Small, tiny homes for the homeless. So my friend was doing that and I thought, why don't we do a younger version for the singles, like a threes company? So we did a threes company scavenger hunt through downtown. So we have, we had the, you know, Mrs. Roper, it was a poker run. So you got to go to different restaurants and pick up cards. And then we had the threes company. It was a photo video scavenger hunt. You know, I dressed in like a, a silver jumpsuit, try to do the seventies <laughs> look. And we had teams running all over, you know, a part of uh, town, you know, uh, just having drinks like uh, there was Chrissy and love. We had we partnered with restaurants, which is really great, too. Restaurants gave us discounts yeah. and, and we brought our people there. Traffic so, yeah. yeah. So we, we it's, it's really small. It was a small group. We just a lot of the people, especially the women are like, 
were there many men? The women are a little more, the guys show up, you know, they just want to have fun. And the women are like, who's going to be there? Are there going to be enough men? And so last time we had three men to every female. So yeah, the men are there, women, you just need to show up. So um, we're trying to plan some things for the spring because holiday season is super busy. That's really cool. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. I don't think there's a lot of profit in it right now. (laughs) Sure. But you'll figure it out. That's that's interesting. You You know, living in Portland... And people sometimes shit on Portland for like all the stuff that comes up on the news, even though it's like yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, it's like, I heard it's on fire. It's like, dude, get watch something else besides Fox. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's fine. It's totally fine. Anyway, but that's the kind of thing that Portland's really like, like so about. There's like so many different kinds of events like that. And I, and I didn't know that they, I think it's cool that you're doing it in another city because it's hard to find them in, 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 in the Midwest and stuff like that. Events like that right. are really memorable and really smart to do because it's it's against, like you said, it's not, it's just not like typical speed dating. You're actually doing something creative yeah. and, and awesome. That's so cool. That's yeah. Awesome. So I think, yeah, what makes this a little bit different then, because I'm a part of friends groups and single friends groups, but it's not like people aren't there to always date. So everybody in our group is usually looking for someone or they're open to it which is different than if you just go to an event people don't know who's single who's not who's looking who's open there's a lot of single people that don't want to date and we're actually going to open it up to couples and those people as well we'll just have identifiers maybe the people that want to date or wear a bracelet or something because there are a lot of there are a lot of couples yeah a lot of couples wanted to attend as well so yeah Yeah. you ever heard of a stoplight party no. Uh, and at least I went to a couple of these in college, but um, if you, it's like, you know, red is you're in, in a relationship where you're just not looking if you were red. Oh, and if yeah. you were yellow, you could be open to it, but you're not sure. And then green is like single, ready to mingle. And so. Yeah, we were be, actually thinking about green for go. Yeah. So we yeah. had the bracelets and everything. We were anticipating yeah. that. So. Yeah. What happens if yeah. you get a couple shows up with green t-shirts? That'd be <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those happen in Portland. That that's a different. That's a different. Yeah, we, we got to start with the you know the basics. The basics I can't branch out to yeah. all the things that it gets are out too there big. right now. It gets too big nowadays. Nowadays <laughs> you don't even know. It's so complicated. Yeah. That is the thing that is true about Portland. It's just like oh yeah. my gosh, it is complicated. Um, that's so, so here's cool. the one thing though with the Tulsa dating adventure, I really did it to solve my problem because that's that's the the basis of everything. <laughs> and I don't know if it's solving my problem um, because I wanted because I'm not participating in the events now. I'm running them, but I still get to meet people. I've been asked yeah. out a couple of times, so there you go. But I don't get to have the fun fun that they're having. But it is satisfying that I get to be creative because that's one of the things I need in whatever I do. I need to be creative and help people so that's so cool well the thing is yeah. you never know like if you end up with even i always thought about it like this when i was selling books too but it's like if one person and in your case it'd be if two people find each other <laughs> and then they, that yeah. would be so worth it you know for yeah at least for them and for you like yeah. i don't know that sounds like it'd be fulfilling uh, i mean a yeah. lot of ways that's so cool that the the there the, have you found that you're not at like i can't so my parents are divorced Divorce is hard, so I'm sorry that you went through that because it's it's tough. Um, mm-hmm. But I, have you found that people have the same uh, obstacle 
of like how do I meet people? Like, is that, is that what you're finding a lot of people telling yeah. you? Like, what have you learned from the people that come to your event about like where they're at in life? And um, yeah, mostly and honestly, maybe it's because it's the, the platform we've been using is Facebook, which I thought we were supposed to be like um, cross posting to Instagram. So the older people, I would say older, forties, fifties, and sixties, they're the ones who've been showing up to our events. Hmm. which is my age range. Um, and some of them, okay, there, there are several different types of stu- people. So I belong, I also belong to a group called Divorced Over 40, but it's basically just a, a fun party group for people who are divorced. They don't necessarily, you know, are looking to date, but it's also very intimidating for introverts. So hmm. we're getting people at Tulsa Dating Adventure introverts and and that's one of the things uh we say or i've been saying is that everything we do at tulsa dating adventure is intentional you're not just left in a room with a bunch of people we have icebreakers that force you or ease you out of your shell to go meet other people it's like the old college icebreakers to get to know people um so everything you do is you're partnered with groups and teams so that you're not just doing that awkward one-on-one speed dating and then you get to see how people um, react in different stressful situations. Like if you're on a riddle hunt, there's going to be the one that's going to take charge, right? Mm -hmm. There's going to be the one that lays back. There's going to be the funny one. There's going to be the quiet one that solves all the riddles or finds the thing. So you can, you can get to know people's personalities without having to the third degree. That's actually an icebreaker that I have. It's called the third degree just to get to know people for fun, you know? (laughs) Um, so there's the introverts, but then it's the people that just want to have fun. And yeah, if they find someone, that's great. If they don't find someone, that's okay too. There's been a lot of men um, just having, you know, bro friendships and ladies finding friendships. And the people that came to the first event, they came to the second event because they know how fun it is. And it's mostly the guys. They're they're just coming out. That's fascinating. So Super yeah. fascinating. Wow. So cool. Well, we'll have to just have you back again and see how this whole develops because now I'm curious. I need to know. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Do you mind if I jump into some Southwestern stuff? Sure. Go ahead. We just, just wind the clocks back. Okay. So you're sitting mm-hmm. at Oral Roberts. Where's where's where's, where's the old Tulsa, bar? Oklahoma. In Tulsa? Tulsa, Oral Oklahoma. Roberts. Yes. That's how I got here. Uh, my second language is English and Oral is hard to say. Oral Roberts University. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so are you you just hanging out, maybe in class or whatever? How how did you first hear about Southwestern? Like what? <laughs> no, actually, it was after graduation. Um, oh, really? And it might have been. Maybe it wasn't after graduation. It was before graduation because I I did it after graduation. So I was a senior. I see. And I think it was my roommate. I think it was my roommate, and she was always the extrovert. You know, I think she probably talked to a sales manager or a recruiter, one of the guys on campus who I later married. <laughs> oh, so, um, anyway, so I didn't want to do it because that was scary. I'm, you know, I don't like to go and talk to people, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I also am adventurous and it seemed like a good idea. And I didn't know what I was doing after college. Honestly, um, I had spent my senior year, the first semester on a mission internship in Africa for eight months. So when I came back for my senior second semester and senior year, I was kind of like a little bit like I didn't even do a senior project in the United States. I basically did it. So I didn't have those internships in America. I did it in Africa. 
didn't know what I was doing, didn't oh. know what the next step was. I could have gone to what I really was planning on doing um, was going to like film school that was appealing to me, but I didn't want to take the tests to get into college, you know, get into grad school. I just didn't know what I was doing. So, you know, this seemed like a good idea. And me and my roommate, you know, we basically did everything together. She's blonde and five six. I'm brunette and five three. And people would always mistake us for each other. So <laughs> interesting. But then, yeah. but then you you get out to sales school to go to, mm-hmm. and you're like door to door. Like, wh- wh- how did you? I hated the memorizing thing. That was a thing. I still hate memorizing. Uh, it's probably really good for your brain. I probably need to do it um, more, but I don't like memorizing. And I just remember being scared all the time, you know, just anxiety, just, oh, here's an interesting thing. I think my first year we were dropped off in Seattle, so pretty close. Um but we didn't have a headquarters for four weeks. Like we didn't Lovely. have a stable headquarters for four weeks. Every single week we were bouncing from headquarters to headquarters, right? And Lovely. I still managed to, to hit, I don't know, whatever those awards were. Um, I just remember being dropped off in the middle of a neighborhood. <laughs> go, go knock, see you at nine. Yeah, so, but here's the thing that I didn't know any better, which was a good thing. I just did what they told me, even though I, was super stressful and I didn't like to do it. And I remember many times in between homes sitting on the curb, just crying. Yeah. (laughs) And then I wiped my eyes and I will persist until I succeed. And when I succeed, I will. And then I just went on to the next house and knocked on the door. And then you get that one sale or something, you know, right before, um, a gravy. Yeah. Um, That was hard too, because like you don't want to go back, but you also know that that's a good time. So, yeah. And the other thing about Seattle was it rained like for a whole month. And that was an interesting experience. I didn't have a car. I was walking door to door and I did have, I still have my rain jacket. Um, It helped get you in the doors though. I do know that, you know, the the rain approaches. Oh man. I didn't know rain that much in Seattle. I mean, I, I know, I know it's a thing. I know it's a thing, but people think it like rains every day, and it's like, eh, it's not. In the summers is actually nice. It's just the winter; it rains a ton. But, but hold on a sec, yeah. hold on a sec, hold on a sec. So you, yeah. you're you're in Seattle, you're selling door to door. So for people who don't, or maybe haven't, or for you might have a friend or something that listens that doesn't mm-hmm. know what Southwestern was. We you, we're talking about we're going eighty hours a week on straight commission, going door to door selling books. That's yeah. what we're doing. So yeah. pretty, pretty bananas. Did you, did you get off to like a fast start? It sounds like you hit the awards as if you still did pretty well, but that you, do you remember like if you, if you got better at it right away or were you one of those like slow burners where sometimes people take um, like up to the last few weeks to really start clicking? I'm not sh- No, I think it was a steady growth. All I, all I remember focusing on was 30 demonstrations <laughs> and you know, Class. going back gravy um that's that's all i remember in, in like and, and that's what i did and like i said it was hard i don't know if i got 30 every day um but it's tough but but i hit some things i mean i didn't know that i was doing well i was one of the i guess top producers in the organization so my first wow. year in my that's little super organization. cool but i was just following the rules and what do you what's 
what are the awards, the t-shirts, the nothing. It wasn't. Oh, yeah, you had like President's it? Club and you had like. Yeah, things like that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, yeah. you know, your uh, Gold Seal Gold Award for like your first yeah. three weeks and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I got all those t-shirts uh, eventually. That's yeah. so cool. And I made it in the book. I made it in the book <gasps> with my picture. You got to the Superstar book. You, yeah, I did. Wow. Two years in a row. Look so. at that. Look at that. That's that's not easy. And you hit Sizzler. Yeah. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. That's wild. No, so do Although you remember? Second... Do you Go remember ahead. your like? I always ask, and if you don't remember, that's okay. But do you remember like your first door, the first time you remember like a customer or anything like that? Because I always think it's hilarious when some people really remember this, and it's like mm -hmm. the feeling that you get when when it, the first time someone buys. And you leave the door, oh. And you're like, oh my god, it worked! Like these words, I just yeah. said words. And they no, <laughs> I have I have memories of like sitting in front of entire uh, entire families, um, not wanting to go in the houses of you know strange men. Um, yeah, I can't imagine coming back. You know, uh, the the uh, the objection and the pencil roll. <laughs> Did you guys do that? Uh, <laughs> the yes. pen roll. Yeah. answer the objections up front um yeah. i followed the script and i remember my heart pounding that was the close was the hardest thing yeah just because you know you're like, no one's gonna buy no one's gonna buy and uh, you're like stressing on the inside and then they buy and it's like wait a minute <laughs> are you sure you're gonna give me money oh my god that's yeah. wild <laughs> and you just need one to really get back on track with your mindset and you know, okay, this does work. And you don't need a, a million sales to do well. You don't need to sell every single day, you know. No. You can so. just have a couple of really good days a week and you're solid for the rest of the summer. Yeah. yeah. It's That's just hard just knocking on that door, getting out of your head and not making it personal. I didn't really know about, I, I knew in theory about mindset and regulating your emotions, but really I didn't know how to do that in, until like, I started, I took a program, like I mentioned before, um, Landmark, that really opened it up. It, it, it really just made me realize that we make things mean what they don't mean. We're meaning-making machines, basically. It's yeah. like, why, did, why didn't he text? Or what, is, what does he mean by this? And we create so much drama and so much stress in our lives. And, oh, I knocked on that door and they said no. You know, we make all these, these stories up. There, go back to stories we make all these stories up that are not true and i think i was listening to something the other day and it was like eight percent of the things we worry about are only the things we need to worry about the the, the other like 92 percent we don't need to worry about yeah. but it's the opposite we worry about the 92 percent that don't even exist yeah. so i learned like when i was upset this is this is profound so if you haven't heard this listen up right get ready <laughs> um, to write this down Yes, we create our own suffering. How do we do that? Um, we create our own suffering by focusing on the past, on the things that happened that we can't change, or worrying about the future. So oh, this is what I learned. If we can focus, if we can create our own suffering, can't we create our own joy? And how do you create your own joy? You just focus on what's in front of you. Is worrying going to help? No, you can only focus on you know, what Southwestern taught, just doing the next thing. What is the next thing you can do? What's the action you can take? But it takes a lot to, to first of all, recognize that, mm. yes, I'm in pain. I'm uh, focusing on things. But if I could just bring my mindset to what's right in front of me, there were times after my divorce 
didn't have money, didn't know anything about the future. I'm still dealing with the unknown. I have, I'm a caretaker for my mother who has dementia and there's a whole set of problems. Yeah. I don't know what my future is going to be a year to 10 years from now. And I can't make those plans. But after my divorce, I would crawl in bed exhausted. And I just tried to hold on to one thing I was thankful for. And I was thankful that I had a warm bed and I was safe. Hmm. And all the other pain went away and I was able to sleep. And so many people get stuck in that cycle of hmm. suffering. And it's not easy, but it's simple. Is that the expression? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, that, that is really is what it comes down to is just what, because what the past is already done. And then worrying about the mm -hmm. future is like having conspiracy theories about yourself is what I heard one time. It's like, <laughs> true. Yeah, that's well, good. Can't I'll be, you know, can't, nothing's really as good as it seems or as bad as it seems in a lot of ways. Um, dealing with grief is important so that there's something to be said about that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, what you can do now, the action that you can take now is all, is the most important. It's not that it's not yeah. important to not grieve or to not plan because you do have to think about the future in some ways. There's going to be some yeah. goal setting. There again, there's there's aspects to that. But what you're saying is the most important thing as far as what you can do is what you can do now. Like in this, and if that's all you can do, then that's okay. If 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 yeah. you're grieving and all you can do is just go outside for five minutes and then go back inside to see the sun after just a quick, do that. Just, yeah, that's well, important. That, <laughs> like, just do that's that. That's how part. I felt in October. I mean, I didn't want to do anything. I just needed to rejuvenate. I was just burnt out. Um, and yeah, it's just not getting stuck in the past and not getting yeah. stuck in the future. I also say um, feel because I'm definitely encouraged feeling and not stuffing your emotions. Oh, yeah. Feel, deal, deal with them, and then heal. So yeah. that's another thing that I promote. Yeah, it's that's emotional intelligence. That's that's really good, mm -hmm. and that's not taught as much as you know. Logically. And that's hard to find in the dating world. Emotional oh, yeah. intelligence. That's my biggest complaint. There's so many people out there my age. Um, they don't want to connect emotionally, you know. So yeah, and it's tough too, right? That the um, watching my parents divorce. This is, this is way total tangential from Southwestern, but just based on what you just said, like there's, yeah. you know, the emotional intelligence is being able to deal with your emotions. And then I think the next level is being able to deal with other people's emotions. Cause that's also yeah. really tough. You know, yeah, it's hard enough to rein your own in, you know, in general. Yeah. Right. Let alone like your spouse or your kids or some, you know, your coworkers, they have emotions and you have to, you have to learn to deal with them because maybe they suck at dealing with them. So besides, yeah. you know, or maybe you suck at dealing with your own and you know, that's step one is learning that. And I think there's an, a third step is once you figure out how to master yours and master other people's or, you know, how other people affect you, then there's like how to influence other people's emotions. Right. So then it's like, doesn't mean you're controlling them. It just means, hey, if I can be a positive person and that's mm -hmm. and I'm good at that, and it might rub off in the right way, kind of like a Ted Lasso does, you know, where it's like you are so well in tune with how you're feeling and how other people are feeling that you can you can use that to kind of lead by example in a lot of ways. So it's yeah. hard, but it's all that stuff is really hard, and they don't teach that anywhere. That's not really something. No, that and you learn. we don't even learn it from our families because I grew up in a New York Italian and family, and it's very stiff, very uh typical you know you have the high emotions everybody's reactive well you have two types the reactive ones and then the ones that don't say anything because they yeah. know i wasn't the one that didn't say anything so that was one of the problems in my marriage is like 
I couldn't regulate my emotions. I was so used to just reacting to everything and that everybody loved each other afterwards. Everybody forgave each other, but not all families work that way. And it wasn't until after the divorce. And then I saw it more through Landmark where I was able to um, really understand it, you know, and really respond instead of react, which it's, it's not taught especially if you didn't learn it and then you pass it on to your children and they just continue the cycle until someone realizes this isn't working yeah, and something needs to change. Someone but, needs to do the work. But that could be generational that, you know, that, that sucks. So yeah. Um, yeah. real quick back to Southwestern stuff. Why did you decide to come back and then why did you decide to leave? Cause you came back for another, <sighs> another summer. <laughs> so, yeah. So- another summer, probably cause I didn't know what I was doing with my life either. <laughs> so might as well make a couple of thousand. I mean, I think I still have my plaques somewhere. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, back then, I want to say, I don't know, I can't even remember. Maybe seven thousand the first summer, maybe fourteen the second. I don't know. Which is not um, bad for leaving, for like nineteen ninety one, leaving college. It's a pretty solid summer. Yeah, I mean, it paid for my wedding. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's another reason I got married. Um, to a southwestern person, and um, then that was it. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to come back. It, it was, it was hard. It was hard. That um, is tough. Yeah. The so I respect people that do more than two summers. It's because I think the first wild. summer, the second summer, you want to kind of prove it to yourself that it wasn't a fluke. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, there's also the aspect of like you said, which I didn't know what else to do, and this worked. You know, but did you, were you one of those people yeah. that felt, I mean, and sometimes people don't, and sometimes people do, were you, were you a person yeah. where you consider yourself a person that like experienced a lot of growth or change positively or negatively because of that experience, because of selling books? Oh yeah, I'm sure. Um, and I'll, I also was recruiting people at that time too. Um, trying to think if anyone ended up going, maybe one or two people might've um, ended up going. Um, it's all growth. I mean, just pushing yourself to do something you don't want to do, that's growth. I mean, I had people in my little organization who basically, um, people I were, I was close to that they were standing up there with the awards, but it comes to find out they were not selling the books and they were not remitting and ended up in trouble. They were patters. Love them. (sighs) Is that what they call it? Yeah. Yeah, They were patting their stats. And that, you know, that was also an eye opener too. I didn't know that that was a thing and that could happen. I just assumed everybody just did what was supposed to be, you know, like I was doing. Um, But yeah, tons of growth. Um, And like I said, hey, it launched me into wanting to write. In fact, um, that's about the year I started my first novel. Like, um, Oh, that's interesting. Right right after that. That's interesting. Yeah, pretty much. Kind of cool. Dang, that's so that's so fun. That's that is so cool. I appreciate all that. Now, um, I'm gonna ask you really quick some rapid fire mm-hmm. questions that might trigger okay. memories here, and then we'll go into some ponytails and okay, that's solid. Okay, so rapid rapid fire question number one: What was your favorite place you sold? Now you sold in Seattle, so in Washington. What was the other place your second summer? Um, the other one was Idaho Falls, and they were both beautiful because <gasps> oh. I was from. So what I really liked about Idaho Falls, well, I you know, Those the mountains. mountains we went, yeah. Yeah, but there were mountains in I was in Everett, Washington. So we went to Mount Rainier, I yeah. think. Everett uh, so um 
Idaho Falls, they were more the stone mountains. What was really, I was actually had a car that summer. So I was in the country and everybody, they were Mormons. So everybody was related to everyone else. So I'm like, look, so-and-so got the books. Look, so-and-so got the books. Names worked. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good with that. Um, I, I remember just the traveling was hard to get to, you know, the meetings and the things like that. Um, each each year had a different set of hard, you know. Um, I remember the hardest part was being dropped off by my, um, the very first time in, I think it was Idaho Falls, or I don't know, one of the, the cities. It could have been the very first year. No, it was the very first year. Um, they needed to go do something. So they dropped me off at a headquarters that we were going to take a look at. It was dark at night. It was probably in the ghetto, honestly. Oh, <laughs> so man. I'm in this little apartment by myself waiting for the realtor to show up. It's dark no cell phones, no phone. My, probably my team went to get food or something. And I remember just like being overcome with emotion and just crying. And I let myself cry for like 30 seconds. And then I said, okay, now what, what, what are we going to do next? What, what get to work, you know? Wow. So that's that well, was interesting. That's hard experience. to pick between the two. Cause Idaho Falls is beautiful with those mountains. It's, yes. it's tough to pick. Oh. Both beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. What was your favorite kind of turf? Do you remember like country or did you like selling in the suburbs or did you like selling with like big brick, like the rich big brick people or did you have a particular? Yeah, I think again, when you're dropped off and you don't have a car, what can you do? You're in a neighborhood, you know, maybe you can walk to McDonald's, <laughs> but that might be far away. So I had my lunch bag and I sat on the, you know, the curb eating. So I, I couldn't get off schedule as much. I mean, you still can. Um, but in the country, people, you know, that had a whole set of things with the cars. It was stressful just trying to figure out the cars and the potholes and the, you know, driving a mile to get to someone's house. And But the people were warm and friendly. And like I said, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think I like the country. Yeah, um, The people in the country. And they were very friendly. Of course, the Mormons in, in Idaho are super friendly. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, with the car situation and that was fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, did you listen to advanced sales tapes? I probably did. Can I remember what they are? I don't know. I remember some songs playing on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember one story from sales school that has always stuck with me. Um, I don't know if you guys heard the story. I don't know who told it. Uh, tremendous Jones or I don't know I, all these names are popping out but it was the story of there were twins who yeah. were each given Mort, Mort you know, Utley. yeah was it Mort Utley yeah that, that's where the room, name of right? this podcast comes from oh that's awesome it's like one kid had all the luxuries the skateboards the you know pinball machines the skates and he was miserable like he couldn't you know, he'll fall down and get hurt if he got on the skates. Yep. <laughs> and then the other kid has like, he's in a pile of manure, right? The room is just filled to the ceiling in manure and he's just digging through it and having a great old time. And the person asks him, you know, why? And he's like, well, with all this crap, there's got to be a pony in here. Yep. Ponytails. Right? That's right. That's, That's exactly the thing right. that is stuck with me. Isn't that hilarious how that works? So the more the more, good old more story. Yeah, it's, it's a, a story. story. You can find the full thing on YouTube, by the way. The full... I probably still have like the cassette tapes, honestly. It's really. amazing. It's amazing. So, um, your favorite yeah. HQ, if you can remember. I've had so many in just the two summers. Um, 
I remember, well, I remember the first year, I think we got to spend a month with an um, a alumni. That was cool. But I do remember, I think it was my second year, we spent it with a sweet old lady. And I just have, you know, really warm memories of that. Yeah. Old and lady, then one year, old I think lady we HQs were, are the best. <laughs> yeah. And then we were by ourselves. Like I said, we hopped around a while. I don't think she could keep us for very long. So we were kind of like, um, I guess the Israelites. <laughs> You're like the nomads. <laughs> just, yeah, exactly. Nomads. Um, yeah. Okay. Favorite breakfast spot, if you can remember that. Um, I don't know, but I just, I really enjoyed the big breakfasts. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the eggs and the Classics. pancakes. Oh, and, yeah. Get, get, Didn't get enjoy cold. the cold showers, but. Yeah. The cold showers and the execs. Oh, Not, yeah. I didn't like execs either. I'm like, okay, I'm an introvert and we're looking like fools out here, but I'm sure I did it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, execs are an interesting part of the <laughs> culture. Of yes. <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, okay. You're, did you have a follow day that, that comes to mind that you liked a lot? Um, maybe. I can't remember. I, I think I remember maybe Keith Goulian. Um, Maybe I don't remember, but yeah, those days are fun. Just being, just being in awe of people and letting them do the work that was fun too. Yeah, when just watching someone just crush, you're like, "What the hell? How are you doing?" Yeah, this? it's kind of wild. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. do you have a favorite off schedule story? And by the way, if you can't remember some of these, that's okay. But yeah, no, it's worth I asking. mean, just, I think what I've mentioned before, nothing specific. I don't think we ever went somewhere. First year, I didn't have a car, just sitting on the corner crying. Yeah. Just journaling. I probably have my old journals and just getting my emotions out and then getting up and knocking on the next door. That's pretty much what I did. Um, I can't remember what I did when I had the car. Um, but yeah, nothing comes good. to mind. And then the most famous person you met. If you oh, met some, some people didn't meet anybody famous, but it's worth asking because sometimes you get some really good, good ones. Yeah, I don't think I did. That's all good pretty ordinary all yeah. good great solid summers okay so now uh this point of our show we go into our ponytails now this is typically where we ask our guests to share like the most memorable story that they have or anything that, that just really sticks out to them from their time selling books kind of like the ponytails or the pony manure story that kind of stuff that like what what still sticks with you after all this time and so i'll sh i'll leave it to you gina you give us your ponytail or anything closing thoughts anything like that that you want to share go for it um, yeah, I think I probably like shared a little bit. Um, I remember, you know, just the, the biggest thing that impacted me was the people and the training. Um, Dave Causer, I remember him. Um, and, and like I said, the odd Mandino book, because um, that just really launched me into wanting to write fiction. Before that, I didn't know what I was doing. It's just the power of the story. And I don't know, I don't remember anything specific, but I'm sure, you know, just getting to meet people on the book field and hearing their stories, because everybody had a different story. It could mm. be the homeschool mom. It could be the, you know, the person who didn't have money for food, but they're going to buy the books, you know, because they really want their child to succeed in life. It's those kind of stories um, that parents were willing to invest in their kids' education to really give them uh, more than they had. And I think it's just meeting the people and seeing the family dynamics and how the parents and even some of the kids were really excited 
yeah. about what we had to offer. And that's really important too, because if you don't believe in what you're doing, it's going to come across um, as, as that. Yeah. And people can tell. It's like people know. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I agree. Hey, that's that's solid. Oh, and then delivery. Delivery is always the best because then you <laughs> you know you haven't seen people in two months, and you get to bring the books. And most people are like, I didn't even think you were going to show up. You know that yeah. type of thing. So yeah. that was super exciting to just get that to live to deliver the books. I yeah. love that. That is so cool. That's so cool. And then you got and then you had a kid that sold. That was Anthony the only one yeah. that sold. Yes, he's the only one that did a lot of things. <laughs> he's my overachiever. Yeah. And um it I think he did two summers. I'm not sure how many yeah. summers he did. And I don't even know why he did it. He was recruited at a different school too. So But did did you did he know that you did it? Like they did you tell him about um, your doing that or was that more like ah it's just a thing I did in college? It he he might have known, but it was nothing that we I think a couple of years maybe we had um you know, uh, South, Southwestern students come through and we probably, you know, did gave a talk or tried to help them find a place to stay and things like that. So we might have seen, seen it a couple of times, but not really. We didn't talk a whole lot about it. You weren't like waking him up with cold showers and telling him to talk. No, no. Awesome. Or execs in the morning before <laughs> school. No. <laughs> oh, that's um, fair enough. That's awesome. Yeah. Man, well, Gina, this has been a great time. Thank you so much for, for stopping in yeah. and, and hanging out with me. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. It's been fun. Um, yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody, listen up. So if you guys want to go find uh, Gina, learn a little bit more about what she's doing, maybe you sold in the same time and you're like, oh my gosh, I remember Gina. I want to say hello. You can go to GinaConroy.com. She's also on Facebook. You can find her uh, on, on different social media platforms. We'll put the link to her website down below and the link to her books. If you guys want to get a little bit more information on that, just scroll down on the description notes below for the episode and you'll find it there. Um, make sure you go check out our Patreon and go support us please follow like and all that stuff it means a lot a lot a lot to us so um thank you so much for your support gina thank you again for being here this has been a blast yes it's been fun thank you absolutely i'm excited to record with anthony again tonight so we'll, 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 we'll <laughs> i know, know that's crazy <laughs> all right guys well my name is andres gamboa we'll, we'll get out of here now thank you so much for listening bye everybody <laughs>